da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. We are back together again for another week of throwback episodes. We are. On the Mad About Movies podcast. I miss you guys. Yeah. There's it's a bitter month. It's been too long. Too long. There is kind of a theme to these uh, the, over these past few weeks, and that is summer blockbusters, summer movies, movies that create uh, celebrating anniversaries and the such and the like. And this one we were discussing this week is very quintessentially summer mm-hmm. blockbustery. Yep. And uh, when you, when I think of summer blockbusters, I think of Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. That's probably the first th- person oh, I sure. think of for sure. And he really seems to know exactly what people want to watch in well, he, late June, early July. Him and Uwe Boll. Right. Right. Yeah. The good Dr. Uwe. Right. Dave, if you've seen Dead or Alive, you know <laughs> how, a, how a blockbuster should and could be made on a regular basis. Uh, uh, wow. I, miss, I miss his outbursts. <laughs> he was a delight. Sure. Yeah. He was he was just such a fun public German figure to have out in the world. Somebody there was some movie that was going to come out. Oh, it maybe maybe it came out a few years ago and Uwe Boll wanted to do it. And it was an adaptation and the author of the book was like <laughs> I think it was Ready Player 1. Oh gosh. Was like uh how about no. anything else? Is no. It- you you're, I'm not giving the rights to you, what a especially you. <laughs> he said that directly to him. What a disaster. What a disaster. Um, so, speaking of Ready Player One, Steven Spielberg has made a lot of great summer blockbusters. Some of, the, some of them have held up better than others, mm-hmm. but most of them have stood the test of time. And, man, the one we're talking about tonight is just classic in almost every sense of the word. Uh, we might have some differing opinions on this one tonight. Uh, I did not know that previously, but some of us like this movie more than others. For sure. And I'm excited to to get into it. So E.T., the extraterrestrial from 1982, is the subject tonight. Brian, I understand that you hold this one in very high regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very high. This is one of my... I can't remember. I was trying to think of... Uh, we're almost 200 episodes out from when we did our... 100th episode um, in which we did our 10 favorite movies of all time. And I can't remember if E.T. made my top 10 or if it was one of the, the honorable mentions. Because I, I remember when we, made, when we did that episode, I discovered that there were probably 17 or 18 movies that I had been saying, oh, that's one of my 10 favorite movies. Mm-hmm. And then Same. it was like, oh, that's, that's not quite factual. It's not possible. K-Pax. So 18, yeah, well, that one made the list, obviously. <laughs> but, uh, K-Pax. <laughs> Spacey in his prime. <laughs> Yours was <laughs> the best all from spacey. a very like central area, like Bicentennial Man. Yeah, K-Pax. Uh, like you had a lot of AI. Yeah, those yeah. are all in your top right. three. I thought robots. Uh, the <laughs> <laughs> robots. Yeah, uh-huh. very high. So no, I think this was number ten on my list. I think that's where I had it, right below K-Pax and robots, uh, but just ahead of Bicentennial. Man. Right, just yeah. just ahead. I didn't want to have too much Robin Williams on my top ten. Right, I get it. Uh, since Mrs. Doubtfire was number one, but mm-hmm. um, <laughs> well, I thought yeah. Flubber's up there too. Right. That didn't stop you. <laughs> yeah, forget Good Morning Vietnam. We got a lot of crap for <laughs> Disney's not, Flubber for not including. <laughs> that was my favorite part. We got a lot of crap for not including Flubber in the top <laughs> of the basketball movie bracket. Oh, we gosh. left it out on purpose, yeah, guys. Yeah, we don't want to ever think or talk about. I Flubber. remember being pretty hyped for Flubber as a kid, and then knowing within four minutes I'd made I'd made a huge mistake. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my god. It's goodness. a whole movie based around a bouncy right. green gel. It's, that's Whose normal. idea was that? It was a remake. It's a dark period. Oh, that's right, it was. You're right. You're dark, absolutely right. Dark period for Disney. Well, now that we have CG, we can finally do Flubber right. <laughs> We better do this ASAP. <laughs> Imagine what they could do now with VR and Flubber. Oh, man. I mean, that's, I think it's ripe that's a, again for... That's at a least new- a $5 million idea. Good job. And Robin Williams... Or like a Netflix series based on <laughs> Flubber. You could do... Because people are star- starving for content. Right. Yeah. There's not enough, not enough TV out there. Is there a Flubber 2? No. The original one was called Son of Flubber. Okay. So if we can get a Son of the Mask style sequel to Flubber, that's fine. One of you twenty years later, and I yeah. that Richard can uh, review for us. <laughs> and Robin Williams didn't have a lot going on in the mid '90s, so Flubber was probably like his desperation. Like he didn't just have Aladdin and Goodwill Hunting about to come out, and, you know, Patch Adams, Hook, and all that stuff. I mean, what was the one where he went from heaven to hell? Uh, when, what, what dreams make come? Dreams what dreams make come? Yeah. yeah. Very John Krasinski move of him. Yeah, there. that's yeah. a straight up. That's what we call a triple Krasinski. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, about that. dude, this is one of my top ten movies ish, and uh, I I hadn't watched it in a couple years, and I I love 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 this movie. It's still you know it was one of my favorites as a kid, and so there's a lot of nostalgia built into it as well. I'm sure, but um, this is a movie that I don't know. It just has the. It's very Spielbergian for one, which I love because Spielberg's. My favorite director by by a mile, and and uh, it has like this I don't know this sense of of magic and wonder that um, I I don't get a lot from from the movies that we go to see these days. Partly because I'm an adult now, and partly because I don't think it, I think it's hard to make a, a movie like this. It's hard to make a Spielberg movie the way that uh, that he did in his in his prime especially. So yeah, I, lo- I love this and um this is one that I hadn't shown this to my kiddo yet cuz he is prone to nightmares and stuff and so I try to uh keep him away from anything that I think might make him wake up in the middle of the night cuz if you're a parent that's the absolute worst is when you have to go deal with your child uh when you want to be doing anything else uh and so <laughs> You should write a book. Yeah. <laughs> Don't Have Kids, number one, by Brian Gill. Yeah. <laughs> and Dr. The Phil New- McGraw. The New York right. Times bestseller. <laughs> Don't Have Kids. It's a very short book. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> chapter one. Don't Have Kids. <laughs> Guys, we- <laughs> don't have kids. It sucks. The end. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, I haven't shown this to him yet, but um, it, it's coming soon, and I'm excited because I think he's really gonna going to like E.T., and maybe I can avoid the, the other parts that are going to freak him out, but... Uh, yeah, dude, I love I love this movie. It's one of my favorites, and and um, I'm excited to talk to you guys about it and possibly fight Richard. Let's see. No, man, I don't I don't hate this movie at all. I just personally, it's not super rewatchable for me. It's incre- it's immaculately shot. Uh-huh. I just find, and I love ET as a character, and it's like enormously sweet, and you feel nervous and like you're gonna cry pretty much the entire movie, which mm-hmm. is great. Sure. My only, I don't like the dialogue of this movie. That's my only critique. Sure. I just think it's like. I don't know, stilted and weird. Um, I just wish someone had like done a punch up on the script because I don't know, something about it just feels like cold and and odd to me. But obviously, a classic film. I'm not. I would never say like I'll give this. I probably wouldn't give this an A plus because for just personal reasons. But I mean, it's obviously an A plus movie. It's one of the best sure. blockbusters ever made. It's just I just not one I I like. Last week we did Men in Black. 
I'll rewatch Men in Black pretty sure. much any day of the week. This, it's like an every five year kind of thing sure. for me. To I, be fair, I'm I know lots of people that aren't aren't huge ET fans. So it's it is what it you know. It's not a yeah. It's it, I I at one point I thought this was a movie that everyone my generation and you know and you guys as well would all and I be feel like bad oh ET's great I love ET but here. even my wife is like I don't really care about ET I'm just sad the whole time so I got divorced but it's fine <laughs> no. I, was, I had a roommate not a roommate there's a guy across the hall from me mm-hmm. uh, freshman year in college who was legitimately scared by ET like if you just showed him a picture of ET he got like real nervous so I'm like what happened well, to I'm you bro big, but uh, yeah. well I mean as you can see by my my shoulder tat. <laughs> Right. Sleeve, quarter sleeve. I'm a Mac and Me guy. <laughs> and always have you been. You and Paul Rudd. <laughs> always have been, yeah. That's a great bit. It's, yeah, it's, it's a great bit. And so, personally, <laughs> is it the original? No, but is it, does it get better? I mean, it's, you know, yeah. look, it, you, the Mac are and the me Beatles con- the original yeah. rock band? No, yeah. but they're. I mean, the Mac they're, and Me conventions with you, Paul Rudd, and Groobs <laughs> from the ticket, they're pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, Big shout, Groobs. So, where's, where's Groobs where's at? at? <laughs> Where this movie Sleep in his race car, is really cool to <laughs> kind of look back on, just hear Spielberg's perspective of it, because he says to this day that this is his favorite movie that he's done. Yeah. Like, this yeah, is his most, his, most too. His, yeah. his, his uh, idea of what a movie should be. Um, something that you don't really realize until you watch it a couple of times is that this whole movie is told from the perspective of the kids. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, this, the scene we're watching right now on our screen is when they're sitting around like playing Dungeons and Dragons, eating pizza. <laughs> it's something they ripped on for stranger things. You yeah. know, the opening scene of stranger things is, uh, very reminiscent of this, but, uh, you don't really notice that from the beginning that, and something Spielberg said after the fact was, I wanted this to be about kids, for kids, and told by kids. Mm-hmm. Right. And the only adult you see in the movie is the mom. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't see an adult until the very end where the FBI agent comes in and you see him in the suit and you see his, right. it's, it's Peter Coyote, his face. It's Great only name. kids in the entire thing. It's it's kind of like a Charlie Brown kind of a mm-hmm. perspective exactly. where, yes. exactly yeah. what I was gonna where say. every adult is shot, you know. Waist from down. the shoulders or yep. waist down, and you know the or teachers, from far. or yeah. from silhouette, you know, mm-hmm. you see them. And uh, speaking of well shot, this might be the most well shot Spielberg movie. I ever. totally agree on that. It is incredible how simple it is. Like we're just going to do a neighborhood and the woods, and that's yep. going to be the setting. But it's going to be the most gorgeous, mm-hmm. like you know, cinematic thing you've ever seen. I-, I love that, and I love the inspiration for the movie too. Uh, the inspiration came from. When he was shooting Close Encounters, at the very end of Close Encounters, spoiler alert, uh, that movie came out 30 or 40 years ago, so I can't spoil that for you. I'll take my headphones off. Hold on. But, <laughs> uh, that was in my top That 10. movie came out Close so Encounters. long ago that Richard Dreyfuss was not annoying. That's weird. Cause it that's, is weird. Like, he, was in, he, he could lead a movie and people would go see it. It's really strange. I was in Jaws. Um, but when that one came out, Spielberg said when he was directing it and watching it, the, the last scene where the alien goes back on the ship and, and leaves made him sad. Like, he wanted to know what would happen if that alien had stayed on the Earth right. and, ever, and it had left. So that immediately gave him the idea for E.T., uh, and it was something that he knew could work if it was done right. He gave the idea to Melissa Matheson, who wrote the screenplay for E.T., and she handed it over to Spielberg, and he said he read it and 
called Kathy Kennedy immediately and was like, we're making E.T. This yeah. is the best screenplay, first draft of a screenplay he'd ever read right. at the time and was just completely That's all awesome. in on it. Yeah. And um, it was all about finding the right kid, right? Mm-hmm. The right person who could lead this movie, the Elliot of the movie. Right. And uh, if you ever go on, I don't know if they included in the Blu-ray. I don't think th- they show a clip of it. But if you go on YouTube and look for Henry Thomas E.T. audition, they show the audition tape. Yeah. And it's a it's the scene where Peter Coyote says, you know, we gotta we gotta take the alien. He's ours, you know. And and he's saying, you know, no, he's mine. You can't take him. He's my friend. And and Henry Thomas is just bawling. Like this kid is like five or six years old, and he just completely nails the audition. And uh, I think Spielberg famously says, "Okay, kid, you got the job." Yeah, like at the end he of the day, the job on the spot. And man, imagine how bad this movie could have been if you don't cast the right kid, or yeah. if the kid's not believable. Yep. Um, but man, kid actors nowadays just don't have that. I mean, Stranger Things; those kids are all great in Stranger Things. So that's maybe why that had so much success. You're like, wow. I just I just miss you know those days where a kid and kid actors could carry a film and have that pure innocence to them you know sure. and the sense of discovery that they have like Stranger Things is compared a lot to the Goonies but to me it's ET it's ET with five kids yeah with five leads you know sure and so that uh, that's cool um, this movie doesn't have a lot of big special effects and he wanted that to be on purpose right. like the only real effect is ET. And the ship, mm-hmm. uh, but the ship is only at the beginning and at the end. And ET is mainly a practical effect the entire time. It's right. somebody with you know wearing a costume or somebody wearing a glove of the hand or something like that. It's not big flashy special effects, and it doesn't really. It has a sense of believability to it, mm-hmm. even how as far fetched as it is. It does have that sense of believability. Yeah, you know, and this is. I went back and watched. Um, I watched all the special features on the Blu-ray. By the way, if, if you're this is a great Blu-ray set. They've got a great, a lot of cool special features and commentaries and stuff like that. But cool. this is like a, I think this is a, as great as Spielberg is. And he's done so many great movies. This one is kind of his crowning achievement as far as like how to make a movie and how to, um, how to bring about all the, the right emotions, the mm-hmm. right way. And, and the way, I mean, it's 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 a masterclass in what he did. All the the tricks of the trade that he put into effect to right. make this happen. It's it's the. I think it's the quintess. If you were to teach someone an alien, oh, no pun intended, come down and they said, please explain sure. to me this Steven Spielberg. I think you show him this. I would say so too. Yeah, over yeah. Jaws or over yeah, maybe Raiders of the Lost Ark. But yeah, maybe yeah. But I think this one. I is do more too. This one. This one has like all the all the Spielberg themes. Yeah. are are kind of contained in this one, but. The stuff that they did with the ET, uh, the, the practical stuff, you know, they hid all the the wires and the tubes and, and connectors that made that puppet run when it was a puppet. And so part of that, like all these kids kind of feel like they were actually in a room with mm-hmm. with ET and that was pretty, pretty brilliant. And the, he shot this, um, he shot this chronologically and so okay because what he wanted to do and, it, and to me this is this is like the difference between a, like a true creative to me and and me you yeah. know who's like oh i like to write and i could no like you know this is this is the i call you the the steven spielberg of <laughs> north northeastern tarrant county though i do appreciate it the competition was pretty heavy but uh no he shot it chrono- chronologically because he wanted to get real emotions from the kids and so at the end of the movie 
um, which I'm sure we'll go through the movie here in a minute. But at the end, when E.T. gets on his ship and leaves, all the kids are crying and they're, mm-hmm. uh, it's that, you know, bittersweet moment and everything. And that's, it's, it's authentic. It's real. And part of the, the idea of that was like, I want them, these kids to get attached to this yeah. puppet and then I'm going to yank it away. And that's going to be, so we're going to get the right. So you're uh, saying the, the key to a, a real creative is upsetting children. Yeah. That's my second chapter in my book. So <laughs> okay. Good. good. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be always upset the child. <laughs> Especially if you're filming. <laughs> and make them know, like, you know what? You're when a major mo- inconvenience. When honestly. mommy and daddy are mad at each other, it is your fault. <laughs> it is. It's usually you because yeah, you haven't slept because you stayed up late. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, think about the run that Spielberg had. It's incredible, man. He went from Sugarland Express, mm. Jaws, Close Encounters, 1941. That doesn't count. <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark. That was his Krasinski. Yeah. Well, Dan Aykroyd, he'll ruin anything. I mean, he's proven. That's true, except for Soul Man. (laughs) (laughs) Except for Coneheads. I mean, it wouldn't have been what it was without (laughs) Dan. Uh, Sugarland Express, Jaws, Close Encounters, 1941, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and E.T. That was like his first five movies. Unbelievable. Is that good? It is. And then he did Indiana Jones, The Color Purple, uh, or uh, Temple of Doom, The Color Purple, Empire of the Sun, The Last Crusade, and Hook. Yeah, in 1991, yeah. and then doubled and, up. And then a Jurassic huge Park run with <laughs> Jurassic Park, Schindler's <laughs> List, The Lost World, Amistad, Saving Private Ryan, and then I forgot um, he did Amistad. I never think of that same as a Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same year as The Lost World. He kind of threw Amistad out there. It's he like, really does contradict his like. I'm going to do a really fun, weird blockbuster, and I'm going to do the most serious stuff. Like yeah. every time he's done something serious it's always been you know in juxtaposition like when he did saving private ryan he he was working on ai right when he did war of the worlds he was working on munich you know when he was doing adventures of Tintin, he was working on war horse Gosh, you know munich it's like so good um he did a bridge of spies he was working on bfg at the same time you know sure uh, i want to see what he's going to do after um what is the one he's doing right now with tom hanks they haven't said what's it about it's like spy no stuff it's not it's, it is that i know what it is it's oh uh, it's the the, the washington um, post yeah yeah, yeah it's yeah. about ben bradley and right. uh, oh really and yeah. um what's her name oh gosh the owner of the post from the family it's meryl streep tom hanks right. about the washington post so, so like all the president's men basically during that period of time mm-hmm. but about more the editorial staff than the journalistic staff. Wow. So about the so kind seven of Oscars operation of the paper. Yeah. yeah, it's like Spotlight meets uh, yeah. uh, all the president's men. Yeah, I think it'll be quite. Yeah. They're all like everyone because I'm a you know you guys know I'm a nerd and uh, all the Washington Post people keep like tweeting because they'll like go into these editorial meetings at their new offices and like Tom Hanks is just in the meetings because <laughs> he's like researching. Man. So it's like they'll just be sitting there like talking about and it's not always like you think of the Washington Post, you think of like groundbreaking political stuff, but sometimes it's just like local Washington news like uh, you know, this high school basketball team made the finals and it's like you go into this meeting about it. <laughs> it's sure. just Tom Hanks is in there like, Okay, taking notes, like, Oh, is that how you do that? Okay, yeah. interesting. I can't Weird. wait for him to make a make a movie about like children's ministry or something just come to my office and hang out it's gonna be so awesome yeah he's got one coming out soon called it's what i do and it's uh the plot synopsis is the story of a wartime photographer who was one of four journalists held captive by the libyan army in 2011 and it stars jennifer lawrence so that's oscar wow all day give me man he the subject matter that he covers too is like man that's gonna be a good movie you know he he really picks the right stuff man ready player one though is gonna be can't wait 
very highly anticipated. I can see that trailer dropping and everyone being like, oh, snap. So he's, he's done with that? That's uh, I don't think it's done. I think there is still... Because it comes, it comes out next year, so I'm sure so, a lot of posts and stuff. Yeah, but like, so he's doing that. That will come out before whatever this Washington Post movie they, is. So that's... I looked at his IMDb yesterday, and they have... They have like an un, I think they have the Washington Post movie. They, last I looked, they had one on there that's supposed to come out this year. But okay, I don't. Yeah, he does. He occasionally just drops one. On you. And yeah. when he does those smaller scale, like a Catch Me If You Can, right. he does sometimes shoot those in like thirty days. Right. He like either takes two years to make something or <laughs> right. six weeks, and yeah. it's like because I think Bridge of Spies is pretty quick too. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we'll just see. The untitled one is the Tom Hanks Meryl Streep one that's okay. coming out this year apparently. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll probably be. There's no effects in that. He'll probably just actually it says. January twelfth, twenty eighteen. So I'm sure it'll limited, have limited, yeah, limited release this fall. It'll be in this Oscar window, though. Sure. Uh, oh, that's going to be really cool. So another cool aspect of this is uh, Drew Barrymore. Mm-hmm. Like she's a great, mini, too, she's great. so good and a profoundly like doesn't really talk about it anymore. A profoundly cute kid. Yeah, totally. Like we yeah. all know Drew because you know what, things she went later on and marrying Tom that. Green. Yeah. <laughs> No, never married. Engaged and Tom Green. Oh, sorry. How dare you? I thought they were married. No, it was. I was actually the real reason I know that is because she got married uh, a couple years ago. Because she has a couple kids now. Drew Barrymore. The, uh, did she get married to like the Strokes drummer or something? No, like they that? broke up too. It's some. I think it's like just a, a guy. Okay. But they said it was her first marriage, and I was shocked by that because, like, mm-hmm. first off, it seems like she's a hundred years old because she's. We've known of her my whole life. I've known right. Drew Barrymore. Yeah. And, uh, and but she's only like. 41 you know she's sure. not she's not old at all and uh and then yeah it was her first marriage because i think she's been engaged like seven times yeah something this movie gets right to is the uh the, the kind of spielbergian we're gonna keep the creature hidden as long as we can yeah. to create a sense of suspense mm-hmm. you know like he did in jaws so famously and uh how how they use the reese's pieces is smart in this it's so funny because the backstory of that is they had, like, in the script that said he spreads candy around, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, uh, the production company went to M&M's and was like, hey, we got this plot piece in our new Spielberg movie where he drops candy. We really want it to be M&M's. And M&M's is like, we're good. We're M&M's. We're fine. <laughs> and so they went to Reese's, and Reese's were like, oh, we're all in. We got this new Reese's Pieces thing. He can do that. Yeah. And then Reese's Pieces for, like, Five ten years was like the yeah, candy, just, be, just because of ET wow. using it, and it's just funny how the marketing guy at M and M's probably got chewed out like crazy. <laughs> like we what? That could have been us. Like the, the the maybe the most famous product placement ever in a movie uh, is the Reese's Pieces, and uh, so funny to think about what could have been. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here, and yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. 
nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. But yeah, I, I thought it was interesting that Spielberg, for as much as he loves this movie and um, and feels like it's you know his most personal movie, he also said he's like I was really happy with it, but I didn't think it was going to make any money. I thought we might break even if we if we got lucky, basically. Well, well. and then it turned out to be the highest grossing movie of all time at, at the time that he that stayed the highest grossing movie until Jurassic Park as well. So yeah, he kind of he pulled the James Cameron there. Yeah, I. I Forget you forget that this was actually a huge commercially successful movie yeah. because it seems like the target audience would be so limited mm-hmm. now. I could see this being pitched as a kids movie only, but uh, I mean you don't really see like your parents going out and seeing ET by themselves. You know, sure. like unless you have a kid to bring with you or anything like that. It doesn't seem like it would work. Yeah, but I think the character design on ET is super clever. Yeah, it's great. It's a great character creature design and the way that. Um, he, the guy that did the design, oh, now I can't remember the guy. I remember he's like a German artist or something. Yeah, and he yeah. he called. He basically said Spielberg called him into his office and was like, "This is what we're looking for." And he just had pictures all over the office of uh, facial features and like, I like this guy's eyes. I like this guy's the wrinkles around his mouth. I like you know all this sort of stuff. Can you kind of just piece it together? Here's what we're looking for, and this is what they came up. It's with. funny how they kind of prove in this movie because E.T. doesn't talk really at all until towards the end that uh, it's all in the body language. It's all in the eyes, too. Uh, How they bond. He bonds with this little kid, Elliot. And it's something that they stole in Mm Wally. You know, they use the binoculars and Wally as the eyes and Wally only says a couple things with the the speak and spell and everything uh, aspect of it. But it you really can tell a story without dialogue and Spielberg proves that. But yeah. the way, the way he uses light in this movie is fantastic. I'm sure he stole a lot of that inspiration from close encounters because he'll always talk about that's what he loved most about close encounters is the lighting, you know, and how, how great that worked in terms of like the scale of everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, they use that again here, the suburban aspect of it. How do you make that, pretty like there's so much fog in this movie there are scenes in the house where like where like light is coming through the window it's yeah like, why is the you know you're looking back on it now like why is the house full of fog like it's always a trick you know where you go see a concert that's why they fog up the whole stage is so the lights look awesome whenever the lights are going off but he uses that in movies perfectly on uh creating an environment 
and everything. Uh, I really, really like that. The first screening of this movie ever was in Dallas. Mm -hmm. And uh, the first taste he had of, I think he said he he had the movie completely done and uh, the first cut of the movie as it was going to be, and he watched it by himself for the first time and was like, this is the best movie I've ever done. And it didn't even have John Williams' score on it or anything Gosh. like that. He just knew that this was something special that he had made. And uh, you got to think maybe this movie would have come out eventually, like without Spielberg. I, I really think a movie about a kid and an alien friend, I did with Mac and me, but I was, <laughs> I was ripping this off. But yeah. it seems like so obvious, you know, in hindsight, like this would have been uh, something that would have eventually happened. And he says this personal, like we're watching now where Elliot tries to stay home from school and he heats the thermometer on the light bulb. He said that's something that he used to do. You know, he put little touches of his own childhood into sure. this movie. They're riding the bikes around uh, as kids. He did that too. And the divorce. You never really think about this movie commenting on like a mm -hmm. separated family or anything totally like that. Does. But uh, the single mom having to struggle with keeping all right. the kids together. And yeah. Just like a super common theme in his movies. But mm -hmm. this is maybe not the first one to do it, but certainly the Most first over. one to really touch on yeah. it. Yeah. And and make that a central theme. Yeah, uh, something I never really understood, and kind of maybe the only thing that kind of bothers me about the movie is how Elliot is like connected to ET, and that like when ET feels something, Elliot feels sure. sick. Like when he's in the classroom and he starts to feel sick or whatever, when e or starts to feel drunk whenever right. ET's uh, drinking the stuff. I don't, I don't think that's necessary. I think the movie would have worked without it, but it kind of shows the connection that they had. Right, right. But I think it should have been more of a, uh, you know, like a pet dog kind of a connection than a, I'm literally the alien too. Like everything he feels, I feels kind of a sure. thing. Sure. I like that stuff, but it isn't necessarily, it's, it's probably not necessary and it isn't explained so much as it's just shown. But I've always, I, pre, I like that aspect of the movie, um, especially in hindsight, you know, the 5,000th time I've seen this movie. I'm like, <laughs> I really, I think that's a cool feature. And it, it, all it does is it heightens the uh, emotions of, Right. what happens towards the end. So yeah, like it's not, I, I don't know. I don't really understand how it works. And that's, that's definitely a weak point in the, in the script of like, how does this really happen? I don't know, but, but it works for me and it makes that, um, it makes the ending so hit even, even harder. It makes it hit whenever, you know, he's uh, ETs in the hospital bed. Yeah. And so is Elliot, yeah. you know, and they're both like dying. Right. In, yeah. In a and sense. it, and it gives a moment it, like part of this, part of the, the connection between them, beyond the, the weird, whatever psychic, physical connection they have, but the part of the connection between them is that he, they're, um, like, they're becoming friends on screen, and mm -hmm. he's, um, and they're, I think it's crucial to Look their the fog in relationship. The yeah, I know, right? Their relationship and the way this movie works, that at some point, it's kind of unstated, but E.T. releases Elliot from their connection so that Elliot can, can live. Mm -hmm. And that was like this cool little unstated part of their relationship that, um, I, you know, again, is it necessary? No, but it, it makes that work even, even more from totally. an emotional standpoint. And uh, I really like how E.T. knows exactly what he needs to do to get home. Like, <laughs> you see him with the speak and spell like he's taking it apart, like getting the computer chips ready. Like he knows he has to build a, a contraption in order to sure. phone home. Uh, how do we feel about the power that ET has? I think it's really cool how he can heal. Mm -hmm. uh, I think they said they 
took a poll among kids or something like, what's the number one power you would want to see in an aliens? And, and it all came back healing power, like yeah, randomly. That's cool. And I think that's a really cool element to the movie. Where Kids are better than us. How I, <laughs> how, Could it make me rich? <laughs> this, this movie has so many, like, you see it once. Like, you know, the Academy, I always think about the Academy Awards sizzle reel that they show, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. spanning the history of cinema. There are like four scenes in this movie yeah. that are just so completely many iconic. iconic. Shots, like yeah. the shot where, you know, he is healing Elliot with the finger and saying, you know, ouch or whatever. And Elliot's just completely blown away by the glowing finger. And, you know, obviously the Halloween scene where E.T.'s riding on the bike and they go across the moon, like, that's maybe the most epic, like, swell of a score yeah. and a shot of all time when the totally. uh, when John Williams' theme hits, when they the, the bike lifts off the yeah. ground and they go across the moon, like, wow. Yeah. I don't even know how you... <laughs> storyboard that like how do you see that in your mind's eye if you're steven well you have to be a a genius you have to be a genius i mean that's that's the i think this is john williams best score and that's saying something um because he's the best of all time and does so many great scores but i this score to me is more it it sticks it's more powerful and it sticks with me more like i when i came over today i've been whistling the stupid uh the the theme Mm -hmm. the entire time because it's it sticks in your head and it works so well i thought it was really interesting i didn't know this until this most recent viewing and i was going back and digging through a lot of this stuff you know there's plenty of times when we do these throwbacks and i'll dig in and try and find new stuff with et i was like i know all this stuff (laughs) i love this movie so much but um they cut spielberg cut the movie or edited the movie to the score rather than the other way around he basically they were having trouble like getting the the edit done completely right and he finally told john williams all right you just go conduct the orchestra the way you normally will and i'll edit the movie to make it work with what you're doing yeah and that's i i mean that's part to me of why this you know the 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 score is so great there's also a scene not a scene but there's a moment in the special features where John Williams is like showing Spielberg the score for the first time. And John Williams is sitting at the piano and, uh, and Spielberg's standing there. So he's like, John Williams is like, all right, the main theme goes like this. And he plays it on the piano and it's just this most gorgeous mm. theme. You see Spielberg's like eyes like, oh my God, this is, <laughs> this is unbelievable. Amazing. Like, I can't imagine being able to work with John Williams Jeez. on anything. Yeah. You know, like how lucky is Ryan Johnson for to real? be able to do yeah. Star Wars and then after you're done making Star Wars, like, oh, we'll just go get John Williams to do the score real quick, you know? I, I don't know if this is my favorite one of his. Maybe one of the most iconic ones. Um, I think Raiders of the Raiders Lost Ark is just incredible, yeah, too. Totally. And Star Wars, of course, and Jaws, and all the stuff that he's done. That's that's going to be... That's my prince, uh, yeah. Richard. When yeah. John Williams goes... I get uh, it, man. He he is yeah. the Mine's goat. red, He too. is the freaking goat. <laughs> yeah, Apple the App, when he... <laughs> <laughs> too soon man too, too soon. soon too soon uh don't you don't you even say it yeah, don't, don't you bring <laughs> up taboo right now uh yeah. what else about this the funeral is gonna have some good hype tunes though <laughs> i think it's extremely <laughs> it's extremely uh scary whenever yeah. they're in their house and the government just burst Gosh, in it, it, and it's that is such a Oh man, that's another stroke of just like what? What a brilliant the idea of 
most of this movie is set in this house and it's supposed to be a safe place and it's supposed to be, mm-hmm. um, we, you know, you're kind of subconsciously just like into what's happening here and feeling good about this house. And then they cover it in plastic and bring in all these terrifying the And it's like, man, that that's that's more effective than most horror movies in changing the, the tone like that and, and ma- putting you into a, a, a vulnerable state. Like, that's it's brilliant filmmaking. And you do... And he does a good job of cutting back to Peter Coyote, mm-hmm. like, searching for the for the alien. And Elliot knows that there's somebody else looking for E.T., so he's kind of trying to hide E.T. Yeah. from uh, whoever it is. And... Uh, I love this scene when the, when the kids... When, when Drew, his brother and sister yeah. see E.T. for the first time. It's that's so the first time you see E.T.'s neck get mm-hmm. really long, yeah. too. Like, E.T.'s, like, really short and squatty, but then his neck extends, yeah. like, when he's screaming and everything. It's really good. I, I think it's cool, too, that this is... This is one of the rare movies from this era, I think, where... The Goonies kind of did this, too, but that um, the brother... All three of them, the, the, the older brother and the younger sister... They they all immediately band together to like try to trick their mom into not finding ET, and I, I thought that was, I feel like that's a rarity because usually you have one of the siblings who's a narc or like I don't I don't like my little brother so I'm gonna I thought that it was I think it plays well with the idea that like they are recently going through a divorce as mm-hmm. a family and so even in this moment when tip maybe the older brother and the younger brother you typically are fighting but this is like a very important thing we're immediately on the same page and on the same team i think that was really cool the only kind of weird uh part of that is when the mom picks up the beer can and is like oh, those kids yeah and just, like throws it away like she's not yeah. concerned that her right. four-year-olds are like drinking <laughs> Miller Lite. <laughs> well, keep you know? in mind, she was around Drew Barrymore, a young right. Barrymore. She yeah, probably like, was polishing yeah. off of a <laughs> okay. 45. Yeah, she entered rehab at seven, so yeah. It's funny. Um, what else here? So uh, it's emotional whenever E.T.'s dying, and they bring E.T. back. That's really Gosh, good. Yeah. Uh, when they drive away in the van, and they, and, uh, they, they set that up so well with the brother trying to back out of the driveway and like not being able to right. drive the car. Yeah. That's just a great setup when he has to drive mm. away and save everybody. Right. And uh, that's good. I love the the pure um, excitement from from uh, Henry Thomas when when they're coming back through the, the hazmat area, the quarantine area or whatever, and he's screaming at the older brother that, he's alive, he's alive. Yeah. I, yeah. I just, I've always thought that's a, that's a kind of goosebumpy moment for me. It just It feels so real. And organic there. And also at the end, whenever they, uh, I guess they have to uh, let E.T. go, right? Mm-hmm. Whenever the ship comes down and they know they have to say goodbye to E.T. because he has to go back to his home planet or whatever, it, uh, the Peter Coyote is there and lets him go. You know? Yeah. It's always not like, no, you're coming with me, little guy. We're going back mm-hmm. to the, to Area 51 or whatever. Um, that's a cool moment too, like the redemption of the antagonist. Sure, where he's not all sequel all though, where they all go to ET's planet has to be coming at some point, right? I was just about to say there was a sequel written called Nocturnal Fears, and you can read the screenplay <laughs> that's online. It's a bad. It's title. called ET Nocturnal Fears, and it never happened because they just debated it all the time. Like, wow, this is such a classic movie. Yeah, it really will ruin the aesthetic of the original. And, and possibly uh, upset a lot of people if if you try to capitalize on a movie right, as right. good as this. And you know, 
I think we mentioned it a couple weeks ago. It's it's one of three movies in the top fifteen of the eighties that hasn't been sequelized or rebooted in any yeah, way. It'll happen, and uh, mm-hmm. I don't think so. It and it's something that you have to appreciate that a movie can stand the test of time as its own without you know over complicating it or trying to capitalize financially on its sure. nostalgia factor. And so you can reboot it in a way like they did Stranger Things. You can take the elements of what made it great right. and make something yeah. an o- that pays homage to it without completely ripping it off. Right. Super 8 did that really well, yeah, too. Exactly. Super 8 is a Spielberg movie. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So, Nocturnal Fears, I challenged the listener to go look <laughs> at that screenplay and think about what could have been yeah. with E.T., but... Man, and I challenge you to come up with literally any better title because that's the worst title ever. Yeah, nocturnal, nocturnal fears. fears. That sounds like something that comes on Cinemax. Yeah, it's got Sharon Stone in, in it. Yeah. yeah. So this, uh, it just a ten million dollar budget. It made eight hundred million dollars worldwide, and it stands the test of time. They did a re-release in two thousand and two for twenty years. That, yeah, they enhanced some things. Uh, you know, with CG, they and, <laughs> and all the guns are now walkie talkies. <laughs> they did that, and Spielberg <laughs> explains that how he always felt uneasy that the government had like machine guns and shotguns where there were just little kids everywhere. Like yeah. he always felt that was really w- weird, and it always threw him off. So Brian, there's also because I know you're not a super fan like Kent and I. There's a South Park where they make fun of that, but they do it with all these other Spielberg movies. So it's Saving Private Ryan, and they're like storming the beach, but everyone just has walkie-talkies. But everyone's stomach, or they're still like exploding and falling out. Yeah. It's all just... It's the exact same... This is very ineffective. <laughs> yeah. But... It's great. I mean, Spielberg is very upfront about, here's why I changed it. Yeah. Here's this version. If you like the old one... Oh, totally. Yeah, no. the old version. Exactly. You can, yeah. you can do whatever. Exactly. You don't yeah. have to... No, yeah. It was fine. Talking to you, George Lucas. Like George Lucas said, well, the originals were destroyed that's in a fire. fire. <laughs> like, that's what he really said about the original trilogy. Like, like the original film doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Like, yes, it does. I, I have really, VHS copies of it. it yeah. Really, it does. It's yeah. in the Library it's of there. Congress. Yeah. We know it's that so it exists. But not the original. It's not how it happened. There was a. There was actually a different singer in the uh, Jabba's palace. <laughs> Gosh, what a beatdown! Um, so this movie is just about as perfect as they come. Ninety-eight percent uh, recommendation yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes. There are two rotten reviews, and I have I've hired some people, so you guys be seen. Uh, wink. Absolutely. No, 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 Brian. Seriously, like I don't want you to do anything. Okay, I, I hear you. I got okay. you. Wink. Right. Yeah. And uh, make some phone calls. I <laughs> mean, if if you're if I was to rank the Spielberg movies. I would Gosh. put this in the top three for I just, sure. It's so hard. After to the do. rewatch, I didn't. I, I mean, every time I rewatch, I'm like, this might be the best. So honestly. it's the terminal number one. Right? <laughs> terminal. Adventures of Tintin. Adventures of Tintin, and then this. That's yeah. fair. That's I mean, I think that's pretty much universal top three. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna do. I'm trying to figure out what I'm gonna, how I'm gonna piece it together. I'm trying. I'm gonna do some kind of piece before Ready Player One because I'm really excited about that. And go back and look through all these movies. And rank them? And rank, I don't know. I don't know you exactly what I'm going to do. Because no, it's rank them. hard to rank You should at least movies. tier them. Yeah, that's kind of what, what you should that's do. That's kind of what I'm thinking. But I'm with you, Ken. I think this is definitely... This is my third favorite Spielberg movie. And even saying that feels like an insult. But it's just because of how great his filmography is. I don't know where it ranks on his best. Schindler's List is probably his best best movie but it's also the least Spielberg right. movie so it's a it's kind of a weird thing but no I for me it's it's behind Jurassic Park and Saving Private Ryan but but barely mm-hmm. um, as cool. far as favorite goes Richard where would you put this not in the not on the top obviously I guess 
No, I mean it's an A. I mean for me, for everyone else, it's an A plus. For me, it's an A. Uh, but it's great. It's just not a movie I watch that often. But I totally think it's one of the best shot and best made movies ever, and one of the most original movies ever. Sure. Yeah. So I give it full credit for that. That and, needs to uh, be said. It is a completely original idea. Yeah. You know? I just, uh, I don't know, something about, it just kind of makes me sad the whole time. I don't mm. know why. Some was, people are super creeped out by I'm not creeped out by that's, whatsoever. That's I'm just sad. Sure. I don't know why. I'm nervous yeah. and I'm sad the whole time. Yeah. I don't like that feeling. I think it's because I'm not great. I'm, I'm really, E.T. to me is an animal and I don't handle animal movies well. It's like... It, to me, it's like I'm so nervous the animal's going to die the yeah. whole time. Even though I know he's not, it's like I'm just, I have weird empath- empathy for non human yeah. things. That makes sense. If E.T. was humanoid, I wouldn't care at all. <laughs> yeah, this is an F. I'd be I like, even, yeah. no, I'd be like, oh, I don't care what happens yeah. to him. Like, kill I don't care. All. All these, yeah. If someone walked by, these kids are all at the bus stop. Some <laughs> like, truck just mowed them all over, nothing. But like, right. nothing can happen. If that dog that sure. ran by just a minute ago, sure. I have to know that yeah. he lives along the It's going to make life. our bingey throwback really awkward. It is. Sure. It is. And our Cujo, because I'm torn on that one. I've caught a side with him, though. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just surprised this for me wasn't uh, just me sobbing for forty minutes oh, on this movie because yeah. it is the most like gut wrenching. It's at the end. It's just like oh, it's so magical though, in the way, especially when you go straight from they you know they fly on the bikes, which is just such a it's such a great scene, and that's such a high. And then you almost immediately, I kind of had forgotten how quickly it goes from that, which to me is the iconic scene of, right. of the movie, to him getting on his ship and flying off is like five minutes. I yeah. mean, it's really fast. And so it kind of doesn't give you a chance to get too worked up from a, from a, a, a weeping standpoint. <laughs> um, and I'm, you know, I'm the biggest movie weeper of all time. So, yeah. but, uh, and you weeped part- all the way through Wonder Woman last night. Oh my goodness. Just a constant, just a constant stream of tears. But only because it was a woman superhero and you're right. I'm and you've fervently against, yeah, that. you fought for yeah. years and years against yeah, that. I bought a ticket to the women only showing. Cause I'm just, I'm not, <laughs> you're not going to stay. I'm not for standing that. for this. <laughs> yeah. yeah I will they, not have this, but inequality. it kind of backfired on you. Cause they let you in. I know. Such a <laughs> and no, no questions. Yeah. asked. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, let's grade this. I'm going to grade this a plus. Awesome. A plus 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 plus. I'll go. You know what? I'm not. I won't be a contrarian. I'll go A plus as this well. This is the most A plus. Gosh, I love this movie. Okay. Cool. Well, uh, I suggest buying the Blu-ray again. Great the restoration Blu-ray. is incredible. Mm. It looks super good. Twenty years later, they, or our twenty years later is when they twenty-five. I think is when they released the Blu-ray. Yeah. But, yeah. This is what thirty-five years for this movie. Yeah. It, that's gosh. That might be the. That might be the lasting impact of Spielberg is that all these movies that he's made, the technology has advanced so much, and yet they still look so good. Like, this movie looks so much better than most of the movies that come out to, right. today. You know? Except he, for Now You See Me. Right. He, know, he knows how to work with camera. Spin the camera. Uh, yeah. the he knows thing. Spielberg... And he just kind of does... He refuses to spin the camera. Like, it's like... In Pretty our stubborn, face. to be honest. Yeah. yeah. He... I mean, he knows... Like, you he, think you know better than Cinematography, movie, but... I don't think there's a director that can move a camera like Spielberg. No, like, no. just he's, subtly, he's you know? Best. He's the goat. Okay. All right. Um, so, Brian, where can we find you on the interweb? You can find me on the Twitter at BGill12. You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me on all social medias at Richard Barden. Uh, or you can find me at the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter. Kent, where can I find you? On the internet at Kent Garrison on Twitter. And follow us on madaboutmoviespodcast.com, at madaboutmovies on Twitter, and subscribe on the iTunes. 
We appreciate it. Uh, until next week, we'll be talking a new movie and an old movie. So find out what that is at that time. But until then, we'll see you at the Goodbye. Baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs And maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged <laughs> But I don't know what to do With those tossed salads and scrambled eggs They're calling again Scrambled eggs all over my face They're making me ya the silence is They're calling again. 